0: Slam Radio brings to you, Eliminate Your Limits. You can call the show, 786-828-7068. You can watch the show live on Periscope at Slam Radio XM. It's now time for Eliminate Your Limits with Brian and Kerry on Sirius XM 145. Slam Radio. Welcome to Eliminate
1: Your Limits with Brian and Kerry. I wanted to do really a plain intro today.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I just, I felt the need to be plain.
2: Just to announce our presence. Announce our presence. I have to tell you, yeah. you know, we weren't on last week. Because Correct. we were traveling. We were not, um, yes. Well, we were on a tarmac. Not moving last week at this time. This is actually a good point. Um, but anyways, that's besides the point. Talk about mindset mastery um, last Monday. But it's amazing to me how one week feels like an eternity.
1: Since we've been here. Right? right? Okay.
2: And like I get here and I'm just
1: so excited. Me as well. Even though I did a plain intro, don't mistake that for my excitement, I'm very enthused. Me as well. I well,
2: have no idea what we're talking about. That's okay, because I've
1: got this. Let me say a couple things first. Look at, it. I even wrote a title down cool. for today's entire episode. I'm going to read it right now. These are the four things you must understand to change your mindset immediately. Don't look at my notes. I dig. I dig. There are four things, and we're going to talk about all four, and we're going to do it briskly and efficiently.
2: Probably not. Every single person listening right now is like, no, they're not.
1: But listen, I'm gonna say one more thing before I jump right in. Okay. This is a cool thing for me. And I know it's gonna be a cool thing for you. So everyone who is listening on the radio or watching us live on Facebook or Periscope doesn't know this. Okay, but we're not in studio technically, because if you know COVID. Right. So we can't actually be in the series XM slam radio studios. So we're at home via Zoom. And I'm looking at my screen right now and I see the wondrous, amazing students of Slam Miami looking back at
2: us. I know, right? We miss them so much.
1: We miss you guys like you couldn't believe. We hope you're all very, very well. And this is really special for us because just before we got on air, the GOAT, the Amigo (laughs) said to us, I'm going to have it that my class listens to the first or maybe first and second segments of your show today. Yeah. And here we are looking at it.
2: And it really is the highlight of when we're live in the studio is getting to see all the students. So this great. is a treat for us. We yeah. miss y'all. You know, I got to say, I really dig what we're taught. It's the second time I've used the word dig in, in like 10 minutes. That's weird. Um, I love the, I love the topic that you just erased. So now I can't repeat the title. The but How to change, four things to change your mindset immediately. Immediately. Here's the reason I like that so much because Let's just be honest, 2020 is the year of any year that if we need an immediate, let's shift our mindset, yes, it's the year, I agree. right? And we've been talking about it, you and I, you know, period, like over the course of the last several months, but it's never too late for a refresher, even though 2020 is hopefully almost over, right? Um, well, <laughs> for most well, 2020 people. is
1: almost over from the calendar perspective. <laughs> right? I'm not holding hope for a whole lot in <laughs> 2021, but, but, but yeah. no, I like what you said there, but I want to take us back because the way we started today's show, you mentioned that one week ago today, we were not on SiriusXM live because we were sitting on tarmac. So I want to tell that story very, very quickly because it actually-
2: It's a great story. It,
1: well, it dovetails right. into our first of the four perfectly. Right. Okay. Right. So we were flying to Cleveland, Ohio yes, via Boston. I'll never understand flight routes till the day I die. Let's go from Fort Lauderdale to Boston and then double back to Cleveland. That's, I, I, that's all I have to say. But what, just before we took off, there was a delay, and it was announced to us. The delay, this delay, was one of the best delays I've ever experienced in my life, which is one of the microphones that the flight attendants use to, you know, talk to passengers wasn't working. <laughs>
2: Right.
1: It's, look, it's FAA regulations. They, they all have to work. It. I got no, yeah. it's just a funny thing to have a delay for, right? right? So they said 20 minutes. 20 minutes turned into two and a half hours. Uh, we were still minutes. sitting there. They couldn't figure out where to plug it in or something. I don't know.
2: No, it was the wrong one. They had to wait there for the you other plane to So
1: learn. the point is, we started having options. The options were to take a later flight or to, you know, fly to Boston on a different We had all kinds of options. The one we decided with was to go home take an Uber back to our condo and then go back to the Fort Lauderdale airport four hours later to get a flight that wasn't going to Boston but directly to Cleveland. And that's what we opted to do, yeah. okay? Now, that's the story. No need to tell it any part than that because it just sets up this one point, okay? The four things you have to understand about mindset to change yours immediately. Here's the first thing. There's something called observe versus experience and you have no idea how heartened I am right now that there are dozens upon dozens upon dozens of Slam Miami students watching and listening live with us right now, because boy, if I if somebody had taught me this when I was a teenager, right. my life could have turned out a lot different. Right. The degrees of stress I would not have gone through as a young person would have, been astronomical. Right. So Carrie, define. Define observe versus experience for
2: us. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the best way to look at it is that when, so, I, I and I'm gonna use last Monday as a backdrop for all the examples that I'm gonna give because that's I think it's a great, a great, great scenario. Um, you know, when you're in a situation that has happened around you that's maybe outside of your control or whatever the case may be, we really do have the two choices of observing versus experiencing. Now, the difference being Is that when we're in a full experience of the situation, we are reactive, we are emotional, we are likely building conclusions that are inaccurate, irrational, not logical, that are doomsday oriented, that are worst case scenario. We are fully, like, really imagine yourself, everybody who's listening right now, imagine yourself in like the heat of a moment of reactivity anger, jealousy, frustration, fear, whatever, you feel it in your body, right? You feel it in your body. You can feel it in your thoughts and your emotions. You are just living and breathing that reaction and that situation, right? So that would be experiencing. Observing, it's almost like you are literally a bystander on the outside of this experience without all of those things that I just listed. You are are calm, you are centered. Does, does the situation necessarily present as ideal? No, but you're able to maintain your ground of neutrality so that you can look at all the factors at play and make decisions based on those factors yeah. rather than making those decisions based on emotion. So that Sweet. would be the way that I would start to identify zero versus experience. I
1: mean, that was a really complete answer. So much so that I don't have a lot to add, but I'm gonna, because <laughs> this is you know an hour long show. Yeah. But here, here's one of the things I was thinking while you were talking, about. okay? Observe versus experience. I like the way you defined it, right? When you experience something, it really is experiential. Meaning when you're angry at, at a situation or somebody, you feel it. Like you feel it in your bones. You feel it in your heart rate. You feel it in your thoughts. But that's experiencing something. Right. And observing it, is is like you said, it's almost taking a step back and looking at it from somebody else's perspective. Right. Okay. Yep. Now um, the, one of the things I wanted to say about all this is, and this is what I wish somebody had taught me when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Okay, what you do not recognize until you recognize. I don't know. Did th- th- that make sense?
2: Yeah, no, you it's don't like you, you, you don't know until you know. Right.
1: And so this is our overture in the hopes of helping you know you always have a choice, right? This runs into the the regulation of absolute truth.
3: And what I mean by that
1: is this, okay, so somebody offends me or this situation happens that angers me or disappoints me. The absolute truth is that this is how I'm gonna react. But that doesn't exist. Reaction is a choice. It's an absolute choice. And so one of the ways we teach it is to remind people to reclaim the space, reclaim the space between the event happening and your response to it. Mm -hmm. There is a moment of time, however brief, where you could breathe. You could just purposefully slow down and decide to disconnect from the rage or the heartbreak or the intensity that you're feeling and in the moment of that pause you begin to observe it and that becomes a very different response mm-hmm. than the reaction that would likely have come
2: yeah you know 100 it's so funny you said that because i just i wrote the word space yeah, and, and i was going to make that that point as well like where you're trying to gain that space between you know situation and, and reaction um and you know I I love, so I think I'm going to say this another hundred times plus you're a hundred times in the show today. I love the fact that the SLAM students are here today yes. because, you know, this really speaks to the heartbeat of one of the projects that you and I have going on with bringing our self-aware leadership to SLAM schools. Yes. Because students and and, and teenagers and and youth nowadays are not taught these skills in school, you know, how do do you just reclaim the space, right? There's, and, and, and I said the word skill on purpose because the first thing you need to know is that it's possible, yes. right? It's it's not an absolute truth that you react X in that in that fashion, right? So the first thing we need to know is that it's possible to choose a different a different route. The second thing that I would want people to know with regards to observers versus experience. <laughs> that was the buzzer for the dryer that I forgot to turn off. Um, the second thing that I would want people to know is to really appreciate the fact that this is a skill and it does require practice yes. so like don't beat yourself up if like you're like oh that makes so much sense right now Brian and Carrie I love what you're saying the next time I don't do so well on an exam or I get to an argument with my partner, I'm going to do something differently. And then you don't do that. Right. That just the sheer fact that you know that you can choose differently will start to lead you down the path of making that choice differently. right? right. So I just wanted to reinforce that to, to everybody listening well, Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. as well as leave with like a little, not leave, but kind of end what I was going to say with a little practical component. Like when you find yourself in that moment of experience, ask yourself yourself the question or pose the statement it doesn't have to be this way Mm. and then look for an alternative what's an alternative way for me to be dealing with this
1: and i want to add to that because that's i mean that's great practical advice let me add to it by saying this that's the skill acquisition we're looking for right like it's so easy like okay i'm 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 half italian half irish and if you know anything about those two cultures, historically speaking, they're hot headed people. Mm. Like you're talking, Sicilians are just angry and loud and aggressive. And basically so are Irish people. So I'm a double whammy, right. right? And we've been together for 10 years. You have seen over the years how I can get hot headed very quickly. Right. And sometimes, you know, lose my temper over incredibly small things. Mm-hmm. But I've worked at it over the years. And it's the easiest thing in the world is to just do what you've always done and chalk it up to, well, I'm Irish Italian or well, this is the household I was raised in or this is all I know. We all can do that. There's no limit to the number of stories we can tell ourselves to justify the explanation of why we are where we are. And there are millions upon millions upon millions of people in the world to do exactly that. Right. And then there's the few. The the few percent of people who say, you know what, I want more for my life, I want better for my life, and I'm going to be responsible for that. Mm -hmm. And the way we do that is we learn and we practice and we acquire skill. And just the repetition of doing what Gary said, which is right before you react the way you always would, you pause and say, what can I do differently right now? Right. What can I look at? this situation or this person, how can I look at it from a different perspective right now? And if you do that two times, three times, four times, five times, and now we're going, now we're talking about neurology and science. The more you interrupt that old pattern and you replace it with a new pattern, the more you change everything about the neurology of your brain and how it responds to situations. If you just commit to practicing, your life changes. And by the way, you mentioned our self-aware leadership program as it relates to SLAM a few minutes ago, this is what we teach. Right. It's called emotional intelligence. And can I tell you, it is one of the greatest issues I have with the modern school system. It's not taught. Yeah, right. it, it's not taught. We are not teaching self-awareness. We are not teaching emotional intelligence. We are not teaching self-care. We are not teaching reaction versus response. And we need to. Because you know what the funny thing is, the number one factor for your success and your happiness in life is emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Study upon study showing the exact same thing. Emotional intelligence is the number one factor for success and happiness. So let's not teach it in school. Right. Right. That's why the self leadership program is at You
2: know, I know that you said you want to go through these um, rapidly. I just have the words you said. Whatever. But, but well, I'm, we'll just keep next next going. I'm just gonna keep going because you know, I I think that it's really important you hit on something that I think is important to reinforce the reason why we should want to observe versus experience, because like, you know, there might be people listening, like, like kind of asking themselves, like what, what difference does it make? Especially if you don't know anything other than your own reaction, you might not even see the sense in changing it. Right. But like, let me tell you, okay, we were on this airplane last week for two hours on the tarmac. And there were people yelling, like grown adults yelling at flight attendants and like literally getting heated and being rude. And you could see the stress and the strain on their face, right? So to someone like that, I would say like, why wouldn't you want to learn differently? Your health, your well-being, your happiness, your relationships, every part of your life is dependent on your ability to learn how to observe versus experience. Nobody wants to be in a relationship with hothead. Nobody wants to be, you know, impatient, stressed, anxious, etc. So find the why in it that matters to you that makes it worth the effort to learn how to step out of that reaction and gain that space so that you can observe the situation at hand.
1: You you raised a great point there, and it's true because last Monday we were on a plane and we watched, and you and I laughed. It was we
2: shocking.
1: laughed and laughed and laughed at grown adults yelling. flight attendants as if it's their fault that the mechanical operations of this plane were somehow faulty and that the faa regulations are what they are these are grown adults yelling raising their voices to flight attendants who have nothing to do with the problem nor the solution i might add they're not engineers they're not the maintenance people who fix the plane they're the people who get you water while you're yelling at them It's unbelievable, but it it speaks to something. It speaks to the choices we all have. Right. Because while we were sitting there laughing and saying, I can't even believe that grown adults are yelling at people. Half the grown adults around us are yelling at people. Right. We always have a choice. Always, always, always have a choice. And that choice becomes more and more clear the more and more we practice reclaiming that space between stimulus or event and our response to it. Yeah.
2: And, and now I'm going to say this <laughs> because I'm on a roll, because I want to speak to the students listening for one second, yeah. Because you know, I, I think a lot of time teenagers are, are, are largely misunderstood for a lot of reasons. Not only are they dealing with all the, the, the realities of school and being a teenager, but a lot of people don't understand what goes into a teenager's emotional makeup, right? In terms of, you know, hormones and, you know, the brain and all the changes. And it's not always easy, you know, as a teenager to reel back in your emotions and your reaction. And sometimes I want to say I would imagine that a lot of teenagers feel like it is out of their control. Right. Which is the reason that I, I think just the, the the notion today of recognizing that that choice exists and being able to ask yourself that question. I want to come back to that practical element of like it doesn't have to be this way. What can I do differently today? As a
1: reminder for how to take action. You know, you raise a great point. And we're on the cusp of this segment coming to a conclusion. So I'm not going to go too far with this because I know Frankie's going to tell us it's time to wrap up in like any second now. <laughs> but you know what I want to start the next segment with? Because it actually leads into our second of these four issues. I want to open up the next segment with really understanding the teenage brain a little bit better. And I'm going to do that because you know what? There are teenagers right now listening and watching this this segment right so let's talk about the teenage brain how it's actually different than the adult brain and why learning and practicing these skills at a young age is going to pave the way for a successful happy life that you don't even realize right now how much happiness and success you can create just by learning how to how to use and manipulate your brain properly
2: you know, I, I I love I love the fact that we just customized this uh, show to you guys, the students who are listening right now. But but also, you know, the for everybody else who's listening, because parents, teachers, any adults. I, I think, I mean, I didn't know a lot of about the teenage brain before we had teenagers, yeah. and and it changed everything when I understood it a little bit differently. So hopefully it's going to lend some some help to people who need it.
1: I agree. Frankie's not giving me the call yet, but I look at the time right now, so <laughs> just give me a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, segment two is going to be Brian Burner. you got to come back for that. You are listening to Eliminate Limits with Brian and Carrie on Sirius XM 145.
4: Hey, look what I found—a radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM One Four Five Slam Radio.
2: I get it. Your desk has been there for you, holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is
0: the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal, and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much. I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m you win love your kids love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat from toddlers to tweens visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size keep them safe visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat brought to you by the national highway traffic safety administration and the ad council
1: text and work text and pretend to work text and
0: act surprised when someone calls you out for not working who me Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit stoptextsstoprex.org. A message from
3: NHTSA and the Ad Council.
0: Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement.
3: He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm gonna step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast.
0: He failed a drug test, didn't he? And he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble.
3: No, he knew they were about to knock on his door. Which uh, is, he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough.
0: They're gonna knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me really describe this to you. Frank, oh. Police! Oh, yeah. Get out! Oh. I, that, that, that's uh, scaringly
1: accurate.
2: Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on SiriusXM XM 145. Slam Radio.
1: My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important
3: for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out.
1: When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
3: There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You've you got to take those losses, you got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs, in order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, mm-hmm. you know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys, it's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part.
4: On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Alright, I think all the levels are set.
0: Showtime. Now. (laughs) Right now.
4: You're listening to Eliminate Your Limits, only on SiriusXM 145 Slam Radio.
1: I love that you just said (laughs) go. I didn't say go.
2: (laughs) No, I didn't. Did I, I said nothing. Because th- that's
1: thought, so weird. I thought you thought I didn't see Frankie Raymon. No, like that, that's so bizarre.
2: You must have thought like I said it in your head. <laughs> I did. That's so weird. I said nothing. The tank
1: is the best producer in
3: radio. He
2: is, right?
1: He's the goat of producing.
3: <laughs> you guys are and too kind. Goat...
2: Wait, you what you was that?
3: that? I said you guys are way too kind because I'm not that good. No, we're
2: not.
1: We're just honest. No, we're not. We're not.
2: All right, we're back. Yeah. By the way, we are Slam Radio, series XM 145.
1: That wasn't bad. It's actually um, eliminate limits with Brian and Carrie on the historic <laughs> Slam Radio, <laughs> Sirius XM 145. Okay, we're talking about the teenage brain. Let's talk about teenage brain. Well, let me say this: This is absolutely amazing. I think for any parent yes. listening right now, it's amazing for a teacher who may not know this information. And it's especially amazing for the teenagers who I'm looking at on our Zoom feed, and who are listening to this show.
2: Can I say something before you go? Proceed. What I want to say before you go to everybody listening is that this is this is not an excuse, but it's a help help to understand, because I think sometimes, yeah. like we people, can misinterpret this information as us excusing away certain teenager teenage behaviors well and it's not about that right it's about understanding because when you understand that breeds change Yeah, and, and it, that's how it's so instrumental and we have two teenage kids so yes. we have used this as an application to better understand them and how to manage the approach with them
1: and let me add this we have two teenage kids and they would be the first ones to tell you that we are not always successful and managing our own reactions to them. Right. Because it's a practice for us as well, oh, really? like it is for any parent or any teacher or any adult who's working with kids or young people. 100%. So let's dissect some of the teenage brain in its actuality. Okay. Number one, the teenage brain, the frontal lobe is not fully developed yet. And you have no idea why that matters so much. The frontal lobe is the cognitive center of the human machine. It is where the thinking is done. It is where the reactivity is done. And in many ways, it's where empathy is established, created, and understood. Okay? So let's dissect what I just said. Your frontal lobe is not fully developed, which which is the thinking center of the brain and the empathetic center of the brain, which means teenagers don't always think straight. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're laughing because... I think everybody knows how true that is. They don't always make rational decisions. They don't always logically look at the playing field and make choices that seem to make sense. But it's not because they're bad people. It's not because they're troubled kids. It's because their frontal lobe is growing. Mm -hmm. It's acquiring data. It's learning the cost benefit ratio of consequence. It's one of the, it's one of the hardest parts of being a parent, as far as I'm concerned, giving your kids enough room to make choices that you know are not necessarily good choices, but they're going to have to experience the consequences. Right. That's look at there, there's a there's so much to unpack here, but you know the term helicopter parenting. It and for those of you who don't know, it's the parent who is like always around their kid. Removing barriers, getting rid of obstacles, co making choices for their child. And you know, it's a meme. helicopter parenting is a meme. We make fun of it, but let's take it away from the humor for a second. It's dangerous. Mm. It is beyond dangerous to not allow your child to make choices and have to suffer some not always pleasant consequences. Because if you do not let them experience those consequences and at the end of that experience, make sure they feel safe, make sure they feel loved and make sure they learn rationally what brought those consequences about. If you don't do any of that, you are delaying if not altering forever. Your child who is gonna be an adult very soon their ability to make logical, rational, and smart choices. You've got to not be a helicopter parent for that reason. Now, let me just say one more thing, empathy. Empathy is your ability to relate to other people. It's your ability to feel what other people may be feeling. You're gonna, let's talk about a group of people who are oftentimes mean to each other, and nasty to each other, and defiant towards their parents, and it doesn't matter what their parents are going through, it's almost like the way they talk to their parents or the choices they make are so self-serving. It's almost like they don't care about the other people or their parents. It's just not true. The empathetic centers in the frontal lobe aren't developed yet. They, they don't rationalize the way a fully grown adult does. That's just the X's and O's of brain science. And that's a terribly important thing to understand about the human brain, about the teenage brain, about working with and interrelating with teenagers, but it's also an important thing to teach teenagers Mm -hmm. to help them understand themselves.
2: Yeah, so I have a few things to add to that or maybe expand on in different ways. You know, when I think about what you and I do with Eliminating Limits, you know, in our self-aware leadership program, really and truly it's all about self-actualization. Really, you know, ascending and becoming self-aware and and becoming the, the greatest version of yourself, whatever that means to you. So whether we're talking about the parents or the teachers or the adults or the teenagers, really we want the same thing for everybody in, you know, at the core. And when we, when we look at the interactions with with regards to teenagers and the adults in their lives, and again, I want to say it again, like you and I have had to unpack this for ourselves as parents, let alone as you know, coaches and and counselors. But the, you know, I I think about how much is misunderstood. And one of the things that came to my, my mind as you were talking is how like things it's so different when something is on purpose versus when something is developmentally factual. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when we, we, you know, I think that there's a lot of parents maybe who think that their teenagers do things on purpose. Right. Like you're, you're purposely doing this. And, and when we understand, and this is the thing, like, if you understood the science behind that, would that change your interaction and the way you approach it? Because, you know, I, two examples that came to my mind was like the number of times our own kids have said to us, you know, they've done something and then we've said to them, what were you thinking? Mm-hmm. And their answers were, well, I don't know what I was thinking.
1: Yeah. Or, or, or I wasn't thinking."
2: And, and yeah. it's so funny because up until the age of nine, 10, 11, mm-hmm. they were clear of mind, mm-hmm. they knew right from wrong. And yet here they, it's like almost like they had forgot everything that they had learned. Yeah. And they literally weren't able to think through that. So that's one of the examples that I can think of. The other example I can think of is you know, when we in the past, we've used the whole notion of like, you know, we've done so much for you, blah 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 blah, can't you just understand? But they don't have that ability to empathize, mm-hmm. right? They don't have that ability to step outside themselves and and even relate to us on that level. Sure. So as parents, our tactics of scare tactics of taking things away, of you know, shaming them or forcing things or like in being emphatic, fell short every single time until we understood the concept of the way that the brain worked and then we approached it differently right and so as I'm talking that out like I want all the adults listening to take that in and and the teenagers listening as well to to helpfully understand themselves a little bit better
1: yeah the only thing I'll add to that which I don't think is contradictory to what you said but I want to be clear for example I will say things to our kids in the vein of what you just like I will say look at can't you see your mom was sick? Right. Like, can't you just understand that you can't just be self serving right now? Right. You've got to factor what she's going through into these decisions and your reactions. That's a learning moment. It's education. These, exactly. these are the things you say to your kids to help them understand exactly. better. Right. But now here's the thing you may think we're off on a wild goose chase, but the four things you must understand to change your mindset immediately, let's talk about number two. Because this is the connection point, this is called usual suspects. Right. So not only is it an extension of our first point, but it, it actually it, it, it dovetails beautifully in with this whole teenage brain conversation. So usual suspects, let me define it for you. Okay. You have a certain pattern of reactivity.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You may not know that right now. You may not be wholly aware of that right now, but. This conversation is gonna help you become more aware. Some people turn off immediately. When they get bothered or annoyed or angry, they just de-emotionalize and turn off. Some people go the exact other direction. They get very loud, very abrasive, very aggressive right away. Some people flee. Their first instinct is to leave. Pack a bag and I'm out, right? But here's the thing. More likely than not, one of the examples I just gave is your usual suspect mm-hmm. It's the thing you most likely do most of the time mm-hmm. when you get into <clears throat> a reactive state, it's one of these things that tends to be how you react. Right. And the sooner you can become aware of that, the sooner you can gain that space. Correct. That's part of the problem with adults and teenagers alike, is that we're living blind to ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know, and especially in my past, my first instinct, my first reactionary tendency was anger. And I I, I never seemed to be able to get, to get a hold of it mm-hmm. until I started recognizing what my usual suspect was. You know what, when I get provoked, I tend to get angry. Mm-hmm. So the more self-awareness I have of that, when I feel it coming on, that's when I can gain that space. Right. right when I feel that anger, that temper coming on, that's when I can breathe and gain a moment to reclaim the space before I get into full bore temper. Right. Right? So what this whole conversation's about with his usual suspects is awakening to yourself being more self-aware of what your tendencies are.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, let me just kind of add some more practicality to that. You know, think back to your your last highly reactive moment and try and ask yourself what presented or what happened that always happens. What happened that always happens? Like, do do you isolate in your room? Do you get reactive and flee the house? Do you get automatically worried about your relationships? For example, like you're worried that your boyfriend or your girlfriend's going to leave you. Like what becomes the thing that is your automatic go-to because we all have them. You know, we might have varying degrees of them. Like you might be worried about your relationships and you might go and isolate yourself, right? But when you start to identify those patterns, it's the only way for you to start to break the pattern, right? And I know what our next point is, so I'm not going to go into that yet because Don't look it, at my notes. It ties into the next thing. But we the whole key right is if we're trying if we go back to observer's versus experience and we're trying to create that space that gap before the reaction, we have to look at the things that are coming along with the reaction. Mm -hmm. And that's where usual suspects come in, our usual suspects, our usual patterns, the things that we do and our go-to when we're in a reactive state.
1: Yeah, exactly, and we have to become more self-aware of that. And you don't, you may not even recognize it right now just by hearing our words on it. But if you were to spend a few moments drawing your attention to what your most common pattern of reactivity is, and you became more and more self-aware of that, what you would end up doing is you would start to create this map. And I love, it. As matter of fact, I'm gonna ask you to explain it because I love the way you explain it. It's almost like, and I'll use me as an example. Me at my most angry is 100 out of 100. Okay, so that's like, it, it, we're using an arbitrary <clears throat> made up counter. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so me at my most angry is 100 out of 100. Mm-hmm. But if I'm more self-aware that anger is my usual suspect, what I can start doing is catching it at 20. Right. Catching it at 30. Mm-hmm. Not not having to stop being angry when I'm already at a hundred, right. but learn to lower it right? slowly by catching it early. And that, I know, because you've already looked at my notes, you see what our next point is, which we'll save for the last segment but this is a lot to yeah. do in the last
2: Well, second. you know, the way that I, I, I liken it to is if, if you, it, I don't know if Frank just gave us the twirly whirly finger.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> he
2: did, so I'll finish it after. No, you can finish that. Well, you know, the whole point is like, I liken it to a car going zero to hundred miles an hour. You don't get to hundred miles an hour right away. Yeah. There's a process to getting there, no matter how quick or how slow, you went through 10, 20, 30, 40 miles an hour. So and you can't stopping a car at hundred miles an hour is hard. Stop it
1: at 10 miles an hour instead. It's way easier. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to pick that up after the break. And it's really worth sticking around for. Yes. Massive. alright Eliminate Olympics with Brian and Carrie on Sirius XM 145.
4: Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Why well, is the basketball court all wet?
1: 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.
4: Good morning, Amigo.
1: Josh Gordon is suspended.
0: After his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement,
3: he tried to play that one off by saying, I'm gonna step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast.
0: He failed the drug test, didn't he? And he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble.
3: No, he knew they were about to knock on his door, which is he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They're
0: gonna knock on his door? or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me really describe this to you. Frank. Oh, Police! oh yeah. Get out! Oh, I, that, that, that's uh, scaringly accurate.
2: Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on SiriusXM XM 145. Slam Radio.
4: To protect her home and family in a disaster, Karen was willing to wade through water, mud, and insurance paperwork.
3: only learning, there's no failure, only opportunities, and there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell him? You tell him, you know? You know that that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs in order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, Mm -hmm. you know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, It's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part.
4: On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality.
1: Hey, this is Ron Rivera. Rivera. Listen listening to Slam Radio.
4: All right, I think all the levels
3: are
1: set. Showtime.
4: Now. Right now. You're listening to Eliminate Your Limits, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
1: Eliminate Brian and Carrie. We're back. See that was playing again. I wanted us to be playing there. You go ahead and play. That was because yeah. when Frank does, he gave us the wave. That's how he starts us. He doesn't point anymore. He gives us the wave now.
2: I wasn't even. I like I like the wave. I was trying to take a sip of my drink really quickly. That's okay because we I'm <laughs>
1: I call us back. Yeah, it's all good.
2: Sitting here for two minutes, I could have taken a sip, but I waited until we were live again.
1: That is the way it goes. All right, we're talking about good stuff today.
2: Yes, we is.
1: All kinds of cool stuff. You know what I just realized right now, we're probably not going to get to all four of I, our ways to change your mindset immediately. We might. I called it. I called it. Well, now I'm going to do it for sure, just to make sure you're wrong. I called it. <laughs> okay, listen. We ended off with a point that I think we need to start again with.
2: I would like to finish that point. Yes. Not even,
1: because I really want this one landed. It's okay. such an important point. Okay, so I'm just going to paraphrase and turn it right back over to you. Sure. Zero to 100. It's hard to stop a car when it's going hundred. It's easy to stop it when it's going 10. Right. So raise your self-awareness to what your usual suspects are so that you can learn to stop it at 10 before it gets to 100. hundred.
2: Now, can I bridge it into point number three?
1: Yeah. What okay. is Well, let me say this. What is our third way of changing your mindset immediately?
2: Learning how to interrupt instead of having to intervene. Yes. Right? Okay. So. The whole concept of this car hitting, you know, and stopping at 100 miles an hour. I need us all to imagine that we're that car. Our emotional reactivity is the car. Mm -hmm. And so people like to think that anger or full-scale reactivity is the problem. Like the number of times people say to me, like, you know, oh, the problem is like, I get angry and I put my, my, my fist through a wall. Mm-hmm. And, but the problem is, is that isn't the problem, Right. that is not where we have to stop because it kind is
1: the, the end game
2: of the problem. Well, exactly. It. And it is the equivalent of trying to stop a car, like dead stop at a hundred miles an hour. It's not going to be easy. Yep. Likely is going to involve a crash. Let's be honest. Right. So rather than trying to intervene, which would be the equivalent of 100 miles an hour, what we want to learn how to do is interrupt ourselves along the way, because it's so much easier to interrupt. And like anybody who has ever been in a fit of rage, you know, sadness, whatever you want to call it, the heights of emotion, you know that there's like, there's a comeback from that, right? There's an emotional comeback. Our physical bodies don't feel good. Our relationships might be in damage from that. You know, there's a lot of work that we have to do to come back from that. So the key is to interrupt it along the way. Now, here's the thing people are familiar with the 100 mile an hour zone. We know the 100 mile an hour zone because we know anger at its intensity. We know sadness on this intensity. What we are not as good at is knowing the tinier markers along the way, where you know, maybe it's not full-scale anger, but maybe you woke up that day feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Yep. But it wasn't as much, it wasn't enough overwhelm that it caused you to stop everything you were doing and put your fist through a wall. But it was enough of an overwhelm that it's going into the pot, it's building. And then on top of the overwhelm, Maybe now you're a little bit stressed and you're worried about something. Then on top of that, now you're not sleeping at night. So now we have fatigue and you can see that it's building, right? So the whole key is if you're able to identify yourself at the 10 mile, 20 mile, 30 mile an hour markers, you can put a sensation to it at that point and say, okay, I'm feeling overwhelmed. What do I need to do to avoid getting to the anchor zone or the 100 mile an hour zone? Therefore, we're interrupting instead of intervening.
1: You know, you said so much in the great things. I mean, those is also great. I want to key in on something because this whole con, this is our third point on how to change your mindset immediately. And it's learning how to interrupt rather than intervene. Mm -hmm. Now, let me, let me just stay with that for a second, because when people think about intervention, I, I think sometimes what, what they might conjure in their brains is this one big mammoth thing that happened and look at if you're listening to us right now or you're watching on Facebook or you're watching on Periscope what we want you to do is find an example of this in your life okay something happened somebody did this some event happened and as you're retelling the story to somebody a few days a few weeks later basically this is what you say well, this happened and that's why I reacted, okay? The truth of it is that's almost never true, Right. okay? That's almost never true. An organism that is hovering at around zero to two to 10 miles an hour of this fictitious hundred mile an hour chart, an organism that's hovering in that low grade area doesn't just go from three to a hundred because of a a single thing, okay? What what we have to understand about this whole concept of interrupt versus intervene is that it's actually a slow trickle. Mm. And this is why, how many times have I said it in the tone of this show? I have said a million times, we must be more self-aware. We must increase our emotional intelligence, which is another way of saying, learning more about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because what you don't realize is that your emotional state is already slightly agitated. Maybe not agitated enough to cause you to get to 100. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts are already negative and agitated. Maybe not enough to get you to 100. But this is the environment you're living in perpetually. It's constant. Then the event happens, and that's what basically takes you from 60 to 100. Yeah. The thing is, you're starting from 60. right? And that's what we're, you can't stop life. Mm-hmm. Bad things are gonna happen. Negative people are gonna happen. You can't prevent that. Mm-hmm. What you can start taking ownership over is the state you are existing in prior to those things or those people doing whatever it is that gets you to the edge. Yeah. That's quality interruption. And I'm gonna to get to more practicality of that in a second, but I saw you almost jump out of your seat. You wanted to say something so bad.
2: Oh my gosh. And you and just, now it's gone. No, I had it <laughs> right. Oh yeah, no, no. Okay. So um Lauren, first of all, who's tuning in live with Facebook, asked um that's, some ideas on interruption. That's where I'm going next. Come Let's back to over. that in a second. But like You know, we all know the term. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yes. Right there. No, there. The the straw that broke the camel's back is because the camel's back was already too heavy and it was too weighted. Right. Exactly. So, like, like we have to stop pretending that it was just the the happenstance that you know. Oh, I got stuck in traffic, or you know, somebody flipped me off. Like, you you were already a pot. Waiting to boil over, which is the other, you know, analogy that I use. It's a great analogy. You know, like and and let me give it because like I want people to really, really understand this. The other way that I explain this is, you know, imagine you have a pot of water or pot of something on the stove, right? If you sit there and watch that pot, it, it takes forever to boil. Like we all know it does. But before you know it, you turn your eyes away and you go and do something. And all of a sudden that pot is boiling over, right? And you rush to the stove to pull it off and now you have a mess to clean up, et cetera, et cetera. But we all know the reality is that if you had just been patient and monitored the pot, you, it would've started to simmer, it would've started to bubble and you could just pull it off at the right time. Yeah. And, 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 that, and we're all that, we're that, we are pots waiting to boil over. So we have to learn how to mitigate that through interruption exactly. in the 10 to, I'd say 10 to 40 mile an hour zone.
1: Which is a reasonable place. I yeah. agree. Now let me get to Lauren's question because it's a great question is where we were gonna address any of this, right? So here it is, how do we learn to interrupt? Well, there's two things that come to mind to me immediately that I've used in my life and we have taught multiple times over to massive success. The first one is something I said already multiple times on this show, and I want to draw a bit more of attention to it, okay? Mm Self-awareness. I know it sounds like a cliche. How is that actually a practical step? Well, here's the thing, okay? Let's look at it from a couple of different angles, okay? Number one, there are millions upon millions of people walking around this earth right now with what is classified as low-grade anxiety, okay? It's not bad enough to medicate. It's not bad enough to diagnose as a full-blown anxiety disorder, but it's low-grade anxiety. Here's the kicker. These millions upon of, millions of people don't even know it. Right. It's become their normal. Mm-hmm. It's become what they're used to. So we're living at this pre-existing condition mm-hmm. of low-grade anxiety, which is propping us up to 45 already. Right. right? So, That's one. Here's another one. Um, The vast majority, this is like, this is classic data. 80% or more of the thoughts you have every single day are negative. You're mean to yourself. You don't believe in yourself. You disregard yourself. You worry, you're afraid. 80% or more of the thoughts you're having every day are negative. Now let's tack on to that. Over 90% of the thoughts you have every day are recurring. You had them yesterday and the day before, and you'll have them tomorrow. So now, look at that. We have low-grade anxiety as an emotional profile on top of negativity in our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? We're not really aware of those thoughts either. Because somewhere in the history of humankind, normal and common have been mixed up in definitions. You know what I mean? Just because it's common to have negative thoughts and low-grade anxiety doesn't mean it's normal. That's not the way the human condition is meant to operate. Mm -hmm. So one way of looking at how do we learn to interrupt is really dig in to what it is we're saying to ourselves every single day and what our emotional profile is. You are going to be starkly, starkly, Darkly surprised to probably find out, maybe for the first time, how nasty you really are to yourself, and how much fear and worry and anxiety you have floating around in your emotional profile. The more we can be aware of that, the more we can learn to subdue via interruption. Mm-hmm.
2: Did you want to add anything to that? Um, I do. So okay. So let me go here first because I want to. I want to go with what you just said. Um for me when we're talking about like we're really about true change sustainable change and and i think that everything you just said for me is all encompassing from the foundation standpoint.
1: Absolutely, right like
2: if we're talking about like you know we don't want to just teach you how to interrupt right now today what we want to do is provide you with the opportunity for a lifetime of not having to always interrupt every five seconds because you have built a solid foundation of awareness, right? So everything that you just said goes into my first thing, which would be create sustainability of change through increasing self-awareness through our four pillars, which we've talked about on the show. So I'm not going to go into that obviously, but it's a synopsis of what you just said. Mm -hmm. The second thing I want to say is is more of an immediate practicality for those who are listening, who maybe want to put something into action at the moment, right? We talked about usual suspects, create a list. What are, what is your zero to a hundred? Write a list out of that, those patterns, okay, of what they are. That's
1: a form of self-awareness.
2: Right? Huge. Build that list out and then learning how to interrupt them. They're, like, I think that you have to practice different ways of interruption in the moment because we all need them. And it can be simple things like, like mine is, um move, like, move. Yes. When, when I need to interrupt a pattern, I, I'll just go walking. I'll move my energy, right? Yep. Deep breathing, right? Play with things that will help you interrupt the well, the. The process for
1: yourself. I want to actually key in on those two because pursuant to Lauren's question that's those are the exact two I wanted right. to offer um but I want to offer so you said move let me, let me say one variance on that you know how I keep harping on self-awareness know yourself right so it just beautiful make a list of your usual suspects understand yourself better what is your likelihood of reaction The more you learn that, the more you bring that top of the mind, the more you have capacity to interrupt it in its early stages. Now, let's talk about practical ways of interrupting. Sometimes moving is exactly right. For Carrie, and I think walking is probably your number one going for a walk. It just pattern interrupts what you're feeling and thinking. Right. Okay. But here's the thing for me, movement is actually more Mm infuriating. You know what I do? I lie down. But I know myself. Carrie knows herself. We have spent years in the bubble of self awareness. Mm-hmm. Not only do I lie down, but I've learned to darken the room. Right. I've learned to actually put heavy blankets over top of myself. These are all, by the way, neural conductors. These are all scientifically proven ways of changing uh, the neurology of you. Carrie goes for a walk. I lie down in a dark room. Mm-hmm. Pattern interrupt. Right. And the next one you said was breathing. And that's where we're going to end. The only thing that's happening right now in your life, the only thing that's happening right now, every right now of your life, is that you're breathing. That's the only thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. Learn to listen to your breath. That's it. And what do I mean by that? Be at one with the inhale, be at one with the exhale. Learn the rhythm of your breathing, listen to it, be with it. Because you know what happens when you do that—you can't think, mm-hmm. well said. and you really can't emotionalize anything. Mm-hmm. You're occupied with the cadence and rhythm of your breath. And you know how long it takes to change a pattern by just being at one with your breath—a good five breaths. Right. That's it. So where's that? Ten seconds? Mm-hmm. Twenty seconds? Stop and breathe.
3: Yeah.
1: And feel the air in and out. That is a pattern interrupt that will change your response. Well said. Oof. We rock and rolled that one. Oh look, we we, right on time,
2: Frank. Just give us the and twirly Frankie world. And it out. I'm gonna call that the twirly world.
1: Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We love being here. Eliminate your limits. Brian, carry on. The historic slam radio series. Bye.
4: The views and opinions expressed on Eliminate Your Limits are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.